Well, good morning. So good to be with you today. Very grateful for Jean Heiser sharing a bit of her story with prayer and ministry leadership. Jean's a, a great leader here in our church, and uh, we're very thankful for the ministry of prayer that has upheld this church across so many decades. And as we noted in that video, one small additional ministry of prayer that we've begun is the simple prayer partner ministry. You can always identify prayer partners on Sunday mornings through this little badge that they're wearing up here, a man or a woman though, that you can come and ask prayers for in confidence, well, whatever the reason might be on any Sunday morning. You know, we wanted to include that video today because uh, praying together is a piece of community together. And today's focus will be on community. Uh, that's our core value that we're talking about. And I can just share that in the first six months that I've been here, uh, one of the sweetest times for me, amongst the sweetest times for me, has been just gathering up at the front of this auditorium with people who have come up to introduce themselves and maybe share a bit of their family story and uh, pray for me, and then have an opportunity to pray for them. And community happens that way as we love one another through the instrument of prayer. And so know that's always available to you on Sunday mornings. Well, my name is Adrian, and uh, this is Kevin, and we're two of the pastors here at Carnegie Free. And today we're going to do something a little bit different. We're going to do what's called tag team preaching. I like it. <laughs> and uh, we're going to go back and forth as we talk about this core value of community because Kevin leads uh, overflow ministry to our college students, and he leads our life group ministry. Uh, which is the key instrument through which we have community here. And I really believe in this core value deeply, and so I want to speak into it as well. But I'm going to ask Kevin to kind of kick it off for us this morning, and we'll just kind of go back and forth in a little conversation talking about this core value of community today. Good. Thanks, Adrian. So how many of you like to grill? Let's go ahead and raise your hand if you like to grill. That's a, a lot of us, absolutely. My wife and I, we love to grill. And, but what I really like about grilling is this, the smell or the aroma that, that comes from doing that. Anybody with me on that? Is, that? is that what you like to do? I mean, that's just an incredible part of, of grilling. And lately, my wife and I, we've moved away from the gas grill, and we've moved to um, that good old-fashioned charcoal-type grilling. And it's, for whatever reason, it just seems like that that just tastes better. It's a lot of work. It, it is a lot of work. Hey, be quiet. But it just tastes better. It just just tastes better. But with that, right, as you noted, it does take a bit more work, and I had to learn how, how that needed to happen. And so, you know, you take your charcoal and you light it, and then you have to wait. You have to be patient, and you have to wait until the flames die down, and then the charcoal begins to become white hot, and then you... Uh, spread that out evenly, and then you're ready to go. And it's, I don't know about you, but I find myself at times mesmerized by what happens in that grilling experience and just watching that flame die down and watching those uh, coals become white hot, building off of each other and producing um, and really accomplishing their purpose of producing an incredible, beautiful grilling experience for my wife and I. Amen to that? Yeah, that's, that's just a lot of fun. So let's just say that after church today that my wife and I would decide to go grill and I would um, prepare the charcoals and I would watch and, you know, it's just at that right moment where it's ready to grill and they're spread out and 
My wife brings out her fish and anything but fish for me. And, and then what I would do right before we would put the meat on the grill, I would take the grate off and I would, with my tongs, would take one single piece of charcoal and I would move it over to this container and I would put that piece of charcoal in the container and I would put a grate over it and I would say, Janet, this is your grill to cook your fish so that the smell doesn't get on my steak on this grill over here. And first of all, my wife would go, what? No, that's not going to happen, Kevin. Secondly, my daughter, she would take out her phone and it would go on Snapchat and Instagram and Facebook, hashtag dad's crazy. And you would all say, that's not very nice, Kevin. And you're right. That isn't very nice. And why is that? It's because we know that a single piece of charcoal is going to get cold rather quickly and it's not going to provide enough heat to sufficiently cook her fish. And, and, what I, and what I'm saying to you about this is that it reminded me of a verse in Hebrews, chapter 10, verses 24 through 25, where the writer says that we need each other. And, and you can read along on the screen, but he says that we're to stir up one another to love and to good works, and we are not to neglect meeting one another. And so he knew that if we were to be off on the side, if we were to be by ourselves, that we would cool off rather quickly in our walk with Christ. And so we need community. We need our brothers and sisters, which then leads us to this big idea that we're talking about this morning, and that is that individualism is the way of the culture, but community is the way of Christ. Individualism is the way of the culture, but community is the way of Christ. Janet, would Kevin do that to you, actually? <laughs> I, I hope you, I really hope he wouldn't. Okay, move along. Move along, okay. <laughs> it's a good little word picture there that much in the same way that a single coal can't uh, cook a piece of meat by itself, it needs other coals, it needs one another, so also we need each other to get warm spiritually, don't we? In fact, we need each other to stay hot spiritually. This is written into the very fiber of how God has made us. It's written into our very DNA. It's woven into the way God has formed us as His people, that we would be found in community. Think about this, from the way that God created you and me, he created us for community. You might remember back in Genesis 1, verses 26 and 27, I'll read these two verses, that as God has created the, the heavens and the earth, and then He forms man and woman, and this is what He says in verse 26, let us make man in our image after our likeness. And then verse 27, so God created man in His own image. In the image of God, He created him, male and female, He created them both. Isn't that interesting? We think about God the Father creating, but this says, let us make man and woman in our image. And so what it's whispering to there is that from the very foundations of the world, there was this triune God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, who was in communion with Himself. And what He chooses to create man and woman 
in his image, in his likeness, part of that likeness is to be in community much in the same way as the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit were in communion. One God, three persons, great mystery, but they were in communion, they were in community before the foundations of the earth. They create us in, he creates us in, in his image, and we are to follow him in that. That's part of the image and likeness in us. It's written into the very fabric of our being. Or you go over to Acts chapter 2, and you see the earliest portrait of the Christian community. So the Christian community is seeking to follow Jesus, the way of Christ, and the discipleship model that He gave. And so the very first portrait that we have of that is in the book of Acts, and the first time we see community together in which new people are coming, on, coming in is in Acts chapter 2. So this is a familiar passage, but let me read it for you. You'll see it on the screen. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to the prayers. <coughs> and awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles, and all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And then what happened? And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Friends, that's the model. That's the model for what the church is to be. It comes right here out of the book of Acts, and I would encourage for you uh, to take a time to study that a little bit more carefully here this week, Acts chapter 2 through chapter 6 or 7, and see how that very earliest Christian community was formed. It was this expectation that the church is way more than just Sunday morning. Please hear me clearly now. The church is way more than a building, and it's way more than a worship service on Sunday morning. Now, I love our building. I am so grateful that I got to come into a place where I get to be a pastor here in a building like this. Holy smokes, am I lucky. <laughs> oh, love our building, and we love our worship team. Our worship team pumps me up every Sunday to preach. I love our worship team. But Sundays is not enough. Sunday morning worship is not nearly enough for building a transformational community, as our mission statement would say, we want to build a transformational community by growing in love with Christ and all people. And we've talked about that a number of times throughout this series, all in, that we want to be all in for this, building a transformational community by growing in love with Christ and all people. In order to build a transformational community, we simply acknowledge that we can't merely live for the weekends. You ever heard that phrase, living for the weekends? Okay, there's almost a Christian version of that secular phrase, I'm living for Sunday. You know, I'll be a Christian on Sunday and I'll act a different way though the rest of the week, but a true transformational community is made up of people who are living for Christ Monday through Sunday. And as important as Sunday morning is, perhaps even more important is this kind of community as described here in Acts chapter 2 in which we see radical love radical worship, a radical form of serving and sharing and generosity. 
And then as a result, God adding to their number daily those who are coming to know the living Christ. Again, this is written into the very fabric of how we've been made. It's found in the earliest church community. It was found in Jesus Himself and the way He operated with twelve and with an inner group of three closest friends that He spent a whole lot of time together with. And so, why would we ever think that we could operate as Lone Ranger Christians? How could that even be possible, Kevin, that we would believe that we could operate as Lone Ranger Christians? No, we know we can't. Transformation happens in the context of community. And so, one of our four core values as we've been marching through our mission statement and our core values and our vision statement, one of our core four values is community is far more than a meeting. It is the context for life change. Community is not a time that we gather together for an hour or two a week or every couple of weeks and we're devoted to the time. It's not a certain topic or a study out of the Bible. It's the context for life change as we are together. I know you, Kevin, have had transformational communities. You've been in those communities where you've experienced transformation. I have as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And uh, as I was thinking through this message and where I've experienced that, I thought about a group that I was a part of back in uh, 2003, 2004. It was a pivotal, pivotal time in my life and uh, for a number of different reasons though, that I won't get into right now. But I was a relatively young Christian, and I got into a, a small group of guys that really didn't have much in common. Uh, a couple guys were working on their PhD up in Boulder, and other guys were uh, already graduated from college. They were engineers. Other guys were more working class, and uh, a couple guys were divorced. A couple of us were single, like I was at the time. One of them had, uh, had, had just gone through a divorce. There was uh, significant pain in that group, and, and we gathered together with very little in common, some working class, some middle class. And we had been meeting, doing a study on the Psalms, and uh, one day there was another gentleman who was soon to join our group, and we were playing basketball together at a church gym, and he just kind of spilled his guts to a couple of the guys, and one of the guys, well, went over with him, fought from the church gym into the prayer room, and told him, though, the answer to what he had just shared, and the hope, though, that we have within us, well, which is Christ Jesus. And, and that man, after playing basketball, after the blood, sweat, and tears, he also found salvation through that basketball court. How about that? Mm. Blood, sweat, tears, and salvation from a basketball. Not football, basketball. <laughs> football too. <laughs> Maybe football as well. Sorry, I have a little bit of a hobby horse there. Um, but he came to know Christ, and then the guy wisely said to him, you know, it's not enough for you just to know Christ as Savior. You now need to have a small group community. And so here's one that you can join in. Adrian's in one. Go over to that group. And so he came in and joined our group. And I knew we were in a great small group when the very first Tuesday night that he came, he asked this question when we were studying the Psalms. Now, did David come before or after Jesus? And nobody laughed. Nobody blinked an eye. Nobody said, what an elementary question, how silly. Nobody judged. Because all of us said, oh, we've been there as well. And we also all know that we had been in place in this group where we had big questions of our own, and some of us in that group had confessed challenges that we were facing against anger or challenges in our marriage, or um, one guy was struggling with pornography, and he confessed that, and every single one of the guys said, okay, I'm going to listen to that, I'm going to hear that, I'm going to pray for you, and there is no judgmentalism in here because 
Me too. I've been there as well, they were all saying. And what we found in that group is because we were all committed to these two things, having a safe community and knowing more of Christ. Because we were all committed to those two things, we experienced transformation. There's no expectations here except that we all want to know a bit more of Christ and we all commit to being safe and confidential here. And what we experienced was in the context of that, uh, seekers turned into believers. And you might be in a spot today where you're just a seeker or you're asking questions. By all means, we're so glad that you're here. We always want people who are simply asking questions about faith to be safe here. And then hopefully we all move a step toward Christ, toward believing, and then a step from that toward maturity in following Christ because this is the expectation that once we find a great church community, we will grow together. The community is far more than a meeting. It is the context for life change. That's what they found in the book of Acts chapter 2. That's what I certainly found. It's knowing Christ together in community, not over the course of Sunday morning, but over the course of seven days a week, that I knew with that group of guys, I could go to them anytime. I could call them anytime, and they would be accountable, and they would encourage, and they would help, though they would pray. This is really the primary instrument for us, Kevin. Uh, life groups is what we call them. Life groups is the primary instrument right. the, that we program for community here. It's not the only instrument. Some people get community through different men's classes or women's classes or adult classes on Sunday morning, but the primary instrument that we program for is life groups. And I'm going to ask Kevin in just a moment to tell us a little bit about the core philosophy for our life group ministry here. But we have this big, hairy, audacious goal related to life groups. <laughs> we currently have 39 life groups, and our goal is by the end of, 2007, by the end of 2017, we would have 50, 60 life groups in our church, <laughs> such that every adult here in both of these services and in our bilingual service and in overflow, every adult would have a safe, small group community where they are growing together. So that means 21 additional groups. We're starting three additional groups here this week. I'd encourage you, if you don't yet have a small group community, a life group, to go through these doors and to the right and over in the cube today, there is a life group Sunday where you can sign up for a couple short-term groups that are starting here in the next week. And we have a third group that is specifically aimed at new Christians or those who are just asking questions about faith. But our vision is to saturate our church in life groups such that all of us, be it from South Kearney or North Kearney or from Axtell or Amherst or Minden or Gibbon or wherever else God is bringing people from, would have a safe small group community that we are brought out of individualism and into community where we find life change. Yeah. Man, what you described, Adrian, is really what we want our groups to be about. And so just a healthy Life Group is a group that, which I think you experience, is that we are living out our identity that we find in Christ, and we begin to recognize that, we begin to understand that, and then we begin to be obedient to that. I thought, Adrian, what you shared last week in your message, and I was just struck by the power of that simple statement when you said that it's much better to live from acceptance than it is to live for acceptance. Right, right. Well, it's an identity thing. Yeah. You know, if you live from acceptance, you know that you have all you need in Christ. You live for acceptance, you're never going to have all you need in Christ. It's a freedom thing yeah. that we know we're free because we belong to Christ. Absolutely. We have all we need there. Yeah. And it was just, to me, it was just so powerful 
so powerful to, to know that when, if we live from acceptance that we are right, we're free to live, and we're free to live our identity. And this identity is that we are a family of missionary servants who are living as disciples to make disciples. I mean, that's really what we are as sons and daughters of Christ. And in, in that, our life groups are the context, these great communities, these small groups are the context where we begin to really flesh that out in our life. And so, again, um, I'm convinced that when we begin to do that, Adrian, when we begin to live out this identity, that we're just going to want to be a part of a smaller group of people um, that love me, that know me, that are not going to judge me, and we're just going to want to be able to do that, and they're just going to sprout up organically, and it's just going to be a pretty cool thing to watch. So let's look at these four identities very, very quickly. Just look at this first one of family, and let me just read to you this definition that we are children of God who live and care for each other as a family. I mean, we know that to be true, right? This is what God desired. He desired a group of people that he would be able to have on this earth, that, that people would be able to look at them and go, this is what I am like. And don't miss this statement that when we as the church, when we as our life group um, really embrace this idea of family, that this is my family, that these are my brothers and sisters, then we will begin to, we will relate to each other differently. And we will act towards each other differently, and forgiveness will be quicker, and we're going to love more deeply. I mean, this is just, to me, just an incredible, incredible thing. And our, and our groups will begin to meet uh, on a regular basis. We'll share meals together. We will meet our um, physical needs and our spiritual needs. And to me, this just stands such in stark contrast to this culture of rugged individualism that's so prevalent in America today. That, that we um, are trained and taught that we are to be a self-made man or a self-made woman, and that's what's prized, and we know that God prizes community. That second one is missionary, that we are sent by God to restore all things to himself, and, and Adrian's going to, we're not going to tackle that this morning, Adrian's going to uh, flesh that out further next week with that core value of mission. And so the third one is servants, that we are servants of God who serve others as a way of life. And we, all we have to do is look at the life of Jesus and what he began to do is he began to call um, people uh, to be his servants because that's what he came on this earth to do is to serve. And, and that's then what we are to do. We're to joyfully serve um, one another doing, um, I love this, doing whatever, whenever, wherever, to whoever, right? And this identity stands in contrast to this culture of entitlement that we see um, in our country today. And, and this is so powerful to me that when a church of servants or a life group of servants um, understand this and they're living this out and they're being obedient to, that this can't help but stand out in our culture. It's going to. Mm -hmm. And when we do that, um, it's going to become a blessing to the people that are around us, that people that God puts around us and we're interacting with, and it's going to draw people to Christ. And then the last one is disciples, that we are disciples of Jesus who take responsibility for our own development and for the development of others. And so again, this big idea is that individualism is the way of the culture, but community 
is the way of Christ. And our dream is that our life groups, our groups, our small groups, would be a place where people are loved as modeled by Jesus. It's a place where the gospel is shared continually and we're fluent with it. And it's not just for salvation, but it's also for this ongoing transformation that happens in our life. And I believe that if we do that, then God and the Holy Spirit will take care of everything else. And, and then um, community is going to happen and lives are going to be transformed. We were doing our video announcements uh, for Overflow about a week and a half ago, and um, we're always trying to do, um, trying to get better in how we communicate to our students. And, and so we asked the question, what's one thing that you would like to see us do different as we do our announcements? And this is what um, one person said. They said that they want more Snapchat and less Instagram. Huh? What is that? Anyone? Yeah. <laughs> That's what I said. Right. Huh. Uh-huh. But you're younger than I am, so you should probably... Anyway, all right, let's move on. Sorry. <laughs> but this is what... I had to look this up. I mean, what, what do they mean by that? And this is what I found. Let me just read this to you. I like to use Snapchat to be more authentic and less produced. We have to look good on Instagram, but it's nice just to be real and in the moment on Snapchat. It's not always pretty, but it is me and it is real. And so Snapchat is this raw unedited form of social media, while Instagram is also a form of social media, but on Instagram, it's where you take several pictures and you pick one that you feel like is the best, and then you begin to add different filters to it to make it look all shiny and and good. Why? Because we want to put our best foot forward there, and we want to get as many likes as we can. This, to me, is the difference between what we describe as, as just a meeting or a, just another Bible study and the difference between a life group. It's really this raw, unedited, it's letting a group of people know or see the real you and not just this Instagram version of you, right? It's dropping the facade that you have to have it all together and you begin to live this, um, this truth this raw truth of your life with someone, with a group of people that, that know you and that love you and is you experiencing your group that are just not going to judge you. I mean, believe me, I know um, that this is hard. I know that it takes time. I know that it can be intimidating, but I want you to know that it's also good. I mean, it wasn't, um, it's something that it took me a while to understand. And it wasn't until that I decided to become vulnerable with um, the group that God has put my wife in. Um, and I began to trust them and I began to understand that they would love me regardless of what I did and who I am. Um, that's when things began to change for me and for my wife and I. Because this is what I thought. I mean, as a pastor, as a father, as a husband, I thought that I was the only one who sometimes um, questioned if God was real. I mean, when God was silent in my life with the, the death of our grandchild, I mean, I just would question, God, do you really love me? Do you really love our daughter? I mean, I thought I was the only one that who didn't always feel like reading my Bible or didn't always feel like praying. 
I mean, am I the only one that would drop the ball with my family? Am I the only one that would wake up in the morning happy, excited about the day, and then would come home and I'd be angry, I'd be irritated, I don't want to have time to talk with my wife, I would snap at her. I mean, do you ever feel that way? Anyone else, please? <laughs> you ain't alone. Thanks, man. C.S. <laughs> Lewis said this, and I thought this was so true, that the typical expression of opening friendship would be something like this. What? You two? I thought I was the only one. Hmm. And to me, to use a phrase of yours, if you don't mind. Okay? Anytime. Okay. This is the... I'll, I'll collect royalties later. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Go ahead. Mark that. Uh, this is the secret sauce of a small group. It was when we begin to create environments where messed up people, like, like you and I, mm-hmm. we, we're messed up, maybe you more than me, but we're able to, to look at each other and say, you too, and, right? And that's when the gospel, this message of grace, begins to take on this whole new perspective. And, and think about this. Whatever he has done to us, Mm -hmm. he wants us to do through us to other people. Um, We started, or I started this morning with Hebrews 10, 24 and 25, and I want to wrap this up, my part up with this verse in, in John chapter 13, verses 34 through 35, because I believe what is said in that passage is why we're so passionate about community in the church. And so let's read that together. It's up on the screen. It says, I give you a new command that you are to love one another just as, and and I would ask maybe that you would underline or circle that phrase in your Bible, but it's just as I have loved you, you must also love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if if you have love for one another. Love is the distinguishing mark for a disciple of Jesus. And this command is not new, but the newness of it, the deepening of it comes from this phrase, just as, right? It was when Jesus says, this is this new command, and what he meant was that I want you to love just as I have loved my disciples. And we know that he went to the cross and he died for you and I, and so we even if it means that we are to lay down our life with someone else, this is the kind of love that he wants. And if we do that, I believe strongly that this will begin to change the culture in our world. It's a good call. It's a good call, isn't it? Family, missionary, servant, disciple. You've heard just a little bit of the biblical witness on this. There's actually 60-some verses in the New Testament alone that speak to the one another's, how we're to relate to each other in community, each other's. It's deeply uh, significant in the New Testament that we relate to each other out of love. We see this philosophy for how we are operating in our life group ministries. Kevin's had the experience of powerful small group community. I have as well. Many of you have also. If that wasn't enough, Let me just share a quick research study, and we'll come to conclusion well with this, a quick research study about uh, how this has actually been proven to be a difference maker in people's lives. Uh, Some of you know I'm a bit of a nerd. I enjoy research studies. 
And so I, I go to kind of the social science. What does it say about things that the Bible says? And sometimes social science just confirms what the Bible has already said. And it's interesting, five or six years ago, there was a, a large, large church outside of, outside of Chicago called Willow Creek Community Church that commissioned um, a gigantic study of its ministries and its members. This is a church of 25,000 people, and they surveyed 6,000 of their own members and 200 other churches to ask the question, what ministries are effective for discipleship? And they anticipated, their hypothesis was that people would grow in discipleship as they did more and more church activities, kind of a buffet approach. You get more and more, you put it on your plate, and as you do more, you will grow more in Christ. And what they found was that was not the case at all. More oftentimes is not better. More oftentimes what they found was putting people on a treadmill to nowhere. And what they found instead was, in addition to Sunday mornings as a time of inspiration and teaching and learning, in addition to that, there were two other areas of ministry that consistently helped people to grow in their transformative discipleship. Any guess what they might be? One of them was community. One of them was community that is found through trusted friendships. And the other one was finding an area of service where you're actually able to use your hands to make a difference with what Christ has given. We'll talk about that second one a bit next week, and we'll have a ministry expo here as well as we talk about uh, the core value of mission. But today, it suffices to say as we close, we deeply desire trusted friendships. It was absolutely critical for Christ. He could have walked with thousands, tried to be close with thousands. Instead, He chose to walk with thousands but be close to twelve. And so also must we. We have many, many, many acquaintances, but if we're to grow in Christ, we need a few trusted Christian friendships in the context of a small group community. And so I I really pray for you, though, that you would find that perhaps even today. Individualism is the way of culture. Community is the way of Christ. Every single person here matters deeply. None of us has it all put together, but as we enter into community, we grow together. I'm going to ask Kevin to close here in prayer, and then in just a moment where we're going to take communion, and uh, communion is a wonderful opportunity as well for us to celebrate the community that we have. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for today, and thank you, Father, that you love us. Thank you, Father, that you pursue a relationship with us. Thank you, God, for this church family, and thank you, God, for um, really the models in Scripture about community. God, I pray simply this morning that that everyone that is here, God, will be able to find um, the things that we're talking about today, God, find a group of people that they can have true community with and be able to just have that raw, unedited version of themselves, God, and then to grow more like your son, Jesus Christ. God, I also pray for, um, if I may be so bold, just to pray for that person right now that has said, yeah, you know, I might want to be a life group leader, but just really haven't had that initial push. So God, I pray that you will um, maybe just work on their heart, God, give them courage, give them boldness to take that step of faith, Father, this morning. God, we love you, and we just simply pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you. Well, this time I'll